Hey guys, and welcome back to the Get Life Podcast. As usual, it's uh, Kevin, and today I'm joined by Bish. Hey, what's up, guys? It's been a while, but we are recording this episode from quarantine, and uh, I'm actually quite happy that out of all the episodes are recording in quarantine, it's this one, because today we're covering a comedy. It's a good luck girl on Funimation. Great show. So before we get into the discussion, though, as usual, there's our little pre-discussion disclaimer. For you new folks, Get Life Podcast, Kunai is a monthly anime discussion podcast under the Get A Life group. Due to the nature of the discussion, we can't avoid spoilers of the show to be discussed. For those shows that are based off existing pieces of work, Work, whether it's manga, light novel, games, or any other media form, we're not going to be covering the source material for those. We can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to recommend a show for us to watch and make an episode of Kunai, send in your suggestion on our Twitter page at Get Life Podcast, or just leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. If you want to support what we do here, we've got our sponsors. Make sure you check out Japan Crate. Go to getlifepodcast.com forward slash Japan Crate. Use the code GALP for $3 off. In addition, I know this show is on Funimation, but if you want to keep up to date with the anime that we're watching for Kunai, you can support us by checking out Crunchyroll. Go to getlifepodcast.com forward slash Crunchyroll for a 14-day free trial of Crunchyroll Premium for everything anime. Check out Crunchyroll. And finally, a sponsor that I really love a lot, we've got J-List. You know, you know what J-List does. They do a lot of awesome stuff. So go to getlifepodcast.com forward slash J-List, one word, and use the code G-A-L-P for 5% off everything in the site including pre-orders yeah so just for folks who don't know much about good luck girl just because you know it isn't exactly the most popular show out there it is a 13 episode comedy anime that is based off of the manga of the same name that was written by yoshiaki sukeno and it aired all the way back in the summer of 2012 like it doesn't feel like a long time but that's that's eight years ago that's that's when i got into to anime eight years ago I got into anime like 2012, 2013 as well, and uh, Kunai started in 2014, so it's it's really been a while, honestly. It's it's crazy. But yeah, uh, this was directed by Tomoyuki uh, Karmura and Yoichi Fujita from Studio Sunrise, so yet another golden gem from Sunrise, honestly. So, I just want to know, Bish, uh, what were your first impressions for the show and actually do you even remember your first impressions because like you you've watched the show like five times yeah, I've now, seen, right? just for people that don't know because we've been <laughs> rescheduling this episode quite a lot because of coronavirus and all such uh, all of these things you know everything that's going on i've seen the show about five times since when we originally wanted to record it a year ago so i've written down i've got my original notes so i'll just kind of give you a, a rundown i'll be honest with you kevin when you suggested this show my first impressions weren't good at all and i kind of got onto a block first so. impressions be- before before watching it or just the first few episodes? you know because- before watching it as soon as you suggested it i took a look at it i saw some clips i was like this show is amazing i'm gonna be very motivated to watch this show as soon as i started watching it however i couldn't get myself past episode three i couldn't I was trying my hardest. I was like, ah, oh, I really, really need to watch this for Kunai. Okay. And I was thinking, you know, I, if I wasn't watching this for Kunai, I'm, I would have dropped the show. Mainly because of Sakura. She's such an unlikable protagonist. And oh, it, okay, yeah. And it doesn't yeah. make me feel good when she kind of treats others like subpar human beings. So 
I, I was just like, uh, I can't continue this. What made me continue was during episode three, so a book when they were introduced. Up until then, all the characters just seemed very obnoxious until that guy came in. That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, I can definitely like see what you're trying to say because like the first two episodes, if I remember correctly, it's just Ichiko and uh, Momiji, yeah. right? Or actually, no, I, I think they might have introduced the butler, um, Bubby. Bobby. Was Bobby in episode two? I don't think so. Or is it after Kata? But anyways, yeah, the first few episodes, if you you don't like Momiji and Ichiko, it's really hard to get through just because like those first few episodes, right? You don't have a supporting cast. It's completely concentrated in those two characters. And yeah, effectively like Ichiko isn't the most likable, not gonna lie. Personally, I didn't mind too much because, all right, and this shouldn't come as a surprise Ooh, to you. Because she reminds you of Senna. She, Ooh, nah, nah. Is that why? Yeah. Well, well look, look, look. I, I'm a simple man. Not my fault that you have absolutely no taste, Bish. But, I don't know. I actually found it to be really solid. Like, the, the reason why I got into the show is because like, I, I was kind of bored, I guess. Right? And I was like scrolling through uh, Funimation's list of shows. I saw the premise and I was like, oh, okay. It doesn't, doesn't seem too bad. And... Uh, the first episode honestly hooked me, right? Just because I loved this dynamic between Momiji and Ichiko. And also Ichiko remind, reminded me of this character that I love from another show, right? From Tomogachi Asukunai, right? Sena. So honestly, for me, it, it was a completely different experience. For me, it was just like more great shit, you know, more comedy that I loved from, from that show, but just in slapstick form. You know, it was kind of like a fusion between uh, Sukunai and, uh, and Nichijo, in a sense, with all the, the references and mm. shit. I was, it was like, I was just lapping the, it the up. The weird thing is, Kevin, is that both Haganai and Nichijo and all of these shows, like 2012 up until 2014, that was kind of like the era for all of these slapstick comedies and rom-coms and stuff in general. So, I, I mean... Yeah, I can kind of see where, where you're at in terms of, you know, liking the show because of that. It kind of makes a lot of sense. But moving on, you know, past the first episodes, what were your favorite moments, you know, that stuck out uh, and just general episodes that you liked in the in the show? Kevin, I know you're going to judge me and I know you're going to call me out for it. But do you want to know what my favorite moment and my favorite episode is? Guess. I'll let you have a guess. But just because you were acting suspicious right there, um, let me guess. It is when they introduce Ranmaru. No, it's not. I didn't think you would say that. Okay. It's actually um, the bathhouse episode. Yes. Episode 11. Episode 11 yeah. bathhouse arc. You know, I, I think it was just great. <laughs> the ending. It was like my favorite arc of the show. I mean, in, in general, that whole arc and then obviously the ending of the show in general. I just want to talk about episode 11 for a bit. I mean, it started... You're going right for the... I'm going for the jugular. The jugular, eh? Exactly. Okay, okay. Starting off with that poem or the ode to Opai. The ode. I noted that... Yo, where was it? It was Bubby and uh, Momo singing that shit right before the, the intro. Oh my God, that was fucking glorious. It was amazing. And I... I, I kind of hated Bobby as a character to begin with, but he redeemed himself with the ode to Opai. <laughs> Honest to God. I mean, to the audience, it was it was, it was was kind of breaking the fourth wall there because they were showing this. They, were, they wanted to show to the audience that this is the fan service episode, for lack of better terms. But it's kind of more than that. And it was misleading 
because most of the time the fan service episodes kind of don't drive the story and the plot forward. But this episode did that. I've it never was the seen, beginning. I've never yeah. seen an episode, a fan service episode that actually adds to the story of the show, which doesn't make any sense. Because if you look at Haganah, if you look at Torador, if you look at any of these rom-coms or, or a slice of lives in general, these fan service moments don't add to the show. And it did that. And to be honest with you, a lot of people watching this might think, oh, this is a fan service episode. It's filler. Let me skip it. But don't because it was just so you good. Can't. I was just impressed. You, it would be so confused. Yeah. It is a surprisingly good and like versatile. There you go. That's what I'd say about it. It's such a versatile episode because there's, yeah. Okay. There's fan service, but there's also honestly, some of the funniest moments are in this episode. Or if that's not the case, in my opinion, the funniest moments of the show happen during the final arc and this episode sets everything up for a very solid ending so honestly i can i can see why you like it so much because honestly the the, the last arc just knocks it out of the to park. be honest with honestly, you there's, it, it, there's other reasons why i like it and yeah setting it up mm -hmm. for the final arc it was a great setup for that but at the same time it just feels like it feels like a very unique fan service episode because you have a lot of fan service episodes that are on the beach or in the swimming pool but this was in an onset and i i rarely tend to see that now with anime really uh, yeah i mean i yeah. i thought it was like a pretty common thing though i like, mean yeah persona 5 persona 4 had the onsen episode and everything like that but it was done in such a very smart way like i kind of felt like it's weird because there's no light beams you know you know like um the censorship in anime. yeah there's no light yeah, beams to yeah. see in this episode everything is like a pipe coming out it, of the it's wall. not like Haganai. exactly it's like it's done in such a slapstick way it kind of reminded me of the old there was this old kind of comedic style of censorship that was kind of similar to the british um carry-on series there was a set, a set of films in the uk if you're british you're going to understand what i'm saying but there was this old sort of slapstick comedy that had a little bit of raunchiness called the carry-on films and they were very sexual in nature but they were very funny as well and it kind of reminded me of those old films for the most part in the way that you know the sensitive areas were covered like the broken parts of the wall just happened to break in in such a way that covers up sakura or covers up bobby you know there was a lot in the yeah. episode i think at the same time it was just like ah oh, i don't know there was there was a lot of comedic moments and i think one thing in particular that comes to mind is Tsuwabuki. i can't even remember his name but that's how i wrote it down it's, it's, i just call him keita okay keita so keita's younger sister starts touching uh sakura and it's just like part of me was thinking how the hell could they get away with that not censoring it and it just like it, it was just a funny thing i was just like how the hell like it just doesn't make much sense but in the context of the show it, it just fits yeah i know it, it's certainly a, a weird episode honestly like another moment that stuck out to me right featuring keita and I, i'm surprised you didn't mention this yet but you know when they're they're entering the bathhouse right and uh sakura's like you know kicking momo right and he transforms everybody's like fucking freaking out there they're like what the hell is going on and keita right being the poor breadwinner that he is, is he doesn't he doesn't even give a fuck right he's because he's tired phased no he's just yeah he's tired but he immediately thinks it's like oh fuck i could monetize this i can get people to come see this transforming dog right and he does, does the same thing for kama right so they sneak in these really funny brilliant moments where they they tie in you know uh, the characters' backstories mm. with these really funny gags, right? So 
really well done episode overall, honestly. Yeah, to be honest with you, I mean, like, even looking at it, it, it kind of, even the comedy in the show kind of gives me, like, Gintama vibes. And I haven't seen much of Gintama, but it kind of reminds do, me of... Do you know why? Do you know why? I'm presuming it has the same team from Gintama, right? Same team. Yeah. Uh, on Funimation, at least, I think on the bottom of every episode, the description is uh, from the people who brought you Gintama and Bleach. Okay, makes sense. So you, you can see that influence, all those crazy references, and I'm pretty sure... I don't remember what episode it was specifically, but I'm pretty sure there's at least one reference to Gintama. There's a, there's a lot of Gintama references and a lot of Bleach references that I'm going to get onto in the more art style and animation uh, segment of the podcast. Is there any other favorite episodes and moments? Because I have another one to do with the final arc of the show. But Yeah, I, I mean, if we're going to be breaking down the final arc, I think we, should, we, we ought to talk about episode 12 and 13 as well. Because Yeah, episode 11 is amazing, yeah. but I'll get into this like in more detail later but uh not gonna lie one of my favorite aspects of the final arc is kind of the the, the main attraction really is the alternate momiji yeah right? and this wholesome relationship and this this completely different dynamic i mean even kuma guy right he gets changed into a fucking teddy bear right which i fucking found hilarious but like the, the whole dynamic of the show that you've been used to for 10 episodes right like at this point i imagine that a good portion of the viewer base is getting kind of tired right it's getting kind of formulaic you kind of know what to expect with the gags and stuff you know momiji is you know always the troublemaker momo is like the the masochist bubby's the pervert monk and shit right so this formula is getting kind of stale and even episode 10 honestly right uh, I found to be a really weak episode, right? Because by that point, it adds nothing to the story. It, it's stuff that you've seen before in the show, just rehashed uh, in a different form. But at the end, in episode 11, 12, 13, with this new, this, you know, let's be honest, it's, she's practically a brand new character. Uh, it adds a lot of life into the mix. And on top of that, uh, the end of episode 12 and 13, Man, like, I'm watching this show to laugh, right? But I'm not gonna lie, 12 and 13 was like, it was really wholesome and also kind of like, I wouldn't say sad, but it's kind of like bittersweet. Yeah, in, in a way. I, in a way, right? I, I completely agree with you, but I, there's a question I really wanted to ask you. Do you feel that it was a bit too late to introduce the uh, Momiji transformation? Or do you think that it could have worked earlier on and then we could have seen more of this dynamic going on? Or do you think that this was the perfect time to introduce, technically, a new character into the show? If they were going to extend it, all right, I'm not going to say no to more screen time for the Elton Momiji because I, I loved all the, the, the wholesome moments and stuff, right? But at most, if they wanted to give more time, because uh, if I recall correctly, in episode 11, right, where the, the episode that focuses on that new dynamic, they do a lot of time skip, right? They're just like, oh, yeah, during the next few weeks, they got along very well and stuff. But we don't really get to see the the day-to-day -day shenanigans that they get into together, right? But maybe that's just because, you know, they, they wanted to emphasize just how much, you know, life got back to normal. But either way, I would have liked to see a little bit more of the alternate Momiji, but not more than an extra episode. I don't think that they should, you know, stretch it out too much. No, I, I do feel that, you know, within the two episodes, because honestly, she she appeared at the end of episode 11, right? So in the two episodes that we got to see her, they did a good job. I wouldn't have complained if we got one more episode, but I, I don't think that, you know, it was too little, honestly. 
I was quite happy with the amount of uh, screen time that she was given. And also, in episode 12, I think that, again, it is the peak moment of the show for me, all right? And I kind of wish Joe was here right now because I'd love to get his reaction on this. But you know that, that moment when Momiji is cooking, right? And Ichiko is just fucking confused. She doesn't know why Momiji's being so nice. She doesn't understand that Momiji's been transformed, but she's like, no, 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 this is another ploy. And there's the Death Note reference. That shit fucking killed me. Oh my god. Like, I might forget a lot of the details in the show, right? Like with Ranaru and like the boring arcs and stuff, but that moment, it's kind of like a Nichijou moment because like, Whenever I think of the show, I think of that moment. It was just the the funniest scene by far, in my opinion, in the show. And honestly, it couldn't have been done without that final arc. Okay. So I, yeah. To to be honest with you, I kind of agree with you. Like the final arc and in general the final two episodes of the show were my favorites of all time. And to be honest with you, at the beginning I was kind of feeling a bit down on watching because it was just like, oh, it's more of the same. But if you're gonna watch this show, then I suggest sticking till that ending because it kind of redeems the whole show in general like the art the last arc for me had it all it had great fight scenes it had car chases explosions fan service <laughs> comedy yeah. it was like a michael bay film in the last three episodes i was like this bravo like studio sunrise to me it just looks like they had so much fun with this show and with this adaptation and you can see it in the show it was just like you know what that's how you know they like doing this and it, it's just I don't know the themes it, it works incredibly well like it tied to the show and the themes very well especially the themes of internal struggle that Sakura is dealing with and you know sharing her good fortune with others and making true friends that you care about because in the end she chose to to bring back uh, Momiji the way she was which was yeah. a big sacrifice in itself you wouldn't expect that from Sakura as a character so when I saw that I was like shit that changes my whole opinion on the character. So that's why I really have such an attachment to that final arc in general. But other than that, there's not many other episodes that spring to he to my mind. Other than, I think, either the second or the third episode where the butler, you know, is dying. I, that would, I would say, is a memorable moment. But it, I wouldn't say it's a favorite moment for me. It has to be the, the last arc. Yeah. That's all I have to I say. I mean, I have a few more like favorite moments uh, sprinkled out throughout the season, but I definitely agree that by far the last arc is the best arc in the show, right? The thing is, I don't know, before that point, it's this show, yes, there's some sort of overarching story to it. You're following Ichigo's, you know, progression as a character, her growing as a character with these new friends that she's making, right? Uh, but it feels a lot like uh, a slapstick slice of life show, which it very much is, right? But not that's not everyone's cup of tea, right? So if you're expecting like very strong characters or a, a very solid story, you know, with a clear objective at the end of the season or whatever, um, that's not what you really get for most of the show. But personally, that last arc is so good. Uh, even if you're just kind of neutral on the first few episodes, that last arc, 11 to 13, it just makes everything worthwhile, to be completely honest. But just to quickly go over the other moments that I found noteworthy, uh, episode three, you know, just when you finally got some interest in the show after the disappointing first two episodes for you, that was also a noteworthy moment for me because that's when you you meet Keita for the first time, right? And it's kind of like 
break the fourth wall to introduce him because like, oh fuck, this guy's just been sleeping for the first two episodes. He hasn't been doing shit. I, I just find him to be a very compelling character, honestly. This show, I'll be honest with you, the, the side characters, they're kind of caricatures, right? And Keita is a caricature in a way, but he feels a lot more fleshed out than the others. I dare say out of all the side characters, he is the one that makes her grow the most, right? Because he's really the, the first one that makes her confront, you know, outside of uh, Suono, the butler, outside of her inner circle, right? Of her family that forces her to grow as a person, right? Because she's kind of confronting, you know, this the polar opposite of herself, right? Instead of this rich, well-off girl with, you know, no family, there's this guy, right, who's, you know, really living paycheck to paycheck, who's in high school, who's working, like, I don't know, over 40 hours a week to support, like, what, his three siblings and stuff, right? He's not materialistic at all, right? He's the opposite of her when it comes to his financial situation, and yet he seems a lot happier than, than she is, right, with, her, with his siblings and his family, and that forces her to reevaluate her her own values right and to, to look at herself and be like hey maybe it is important to to have people to support you right so it's a funny episode but at the same time i find that it's you know it was really striking to me right because there's moments where you kind of feel bad for sakura and you also get to see her grow right sure there are other moments like that in the show right uh when they meet ranmaru and stuff but for me this one is just, uh, it, it struck a chord with me for some reason. And I think it's because Keita is just such, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like a role model, you know, he's like, he's like the ideal big bro in a way. Would you agree that this would be a, a great place to talk about uh, the characters of the show? Regarding the characters, I wish I could talk that passionately about the other side characters. Right, I'll start off the side characters first okay. because I find that they're really, they do such a good job with the slapstick moments, right? With the with the, the punchlines and stuff in this show. Mm. But unfortunately, I feel that that comes at the expense of the side characters. Why? Because, well, it's always the same, like again, right? Before episode 11, it's aside from Ichigo, right? Who's slowly learning bit by bit, you know, on a, on a personal level, what it means to, to share your happiness with others and stuff and you know not to push people away uh those that join her entourage like Anmaru, like bobby like momo you don't get much background on them you get a bit of context for who they are in the episode that they're introduced in but after that they never change it's always the same gangs momo again is you know the the weird dog god that's the masochist uh, into bdsm yeah the masochist bubby's the pervert i mean ranmaru was supposed to be you know a second keita in a way i guess because she had her her entire arc but in in, in right? general they they fit certain archetypes and they kind of merge yeah. into one at one point and it's just they they never go beyond that after the episode where they're introduced they just stay in but that my box question that place for in, you right? is that do you feel that this type of show would benefit from them breaking out of the archetypes because you mentioned it the show has similar comedy to stuff like nichiju right and you see those kind of archetypes in those kind of shows so what's different but between that and the, nichiju? i think the difference is you know uh nichiju right it it doesn't hide what it's trying to be nobody says oh yeah i'm gonna watch nichiju because you know i want to get some interesting uh character development, right? You're watching because you want to fucking laugh your ass off, and Nichiju does an excellent job at mm. that. With this, I feel that Good Luck Girl is trying to handle two things at once. Again, it reminds me of our very first conversation on Hanako, actually. You know, 
a lot of shows they try to balance this this comedy aspect with you know a bit more drama with with, with a few moody scenes, right? And it's a bit hit or miss here. Why? Because when it comes to Ichigo, I find they do a phenomenal job, right? She is the main character after all, and you do see a lot of her past and see her struggle with things, but it's not even an ensemble cast, right? It, it's really just one character that gets any sense of development. To an extent, Mamiji evolves as well, but I think that why not give a bit more development and a bit more depth to to the entourage, right? Because in these shows, right, where you, you focus on a core group of characters, right, who are friends with each other, I don't know, I come in, in with a bit of an expectation to, to figure out you know who these characters are instead of having them stay static throughout the uh, entire the season. The thing is, you you kind of see that with Ranmaru because she's this kind of JoJo-looking character, and you know. But then she grows. Yeah. You see a little bit for Ranmaru. Technically, not as much as as everyone else, but yeah, it's it's a difficult one, Kevin, because I mentioned at the beginning that I stopped until episode three. And to be honest with you, the characters kind of helped me get out of that. And it was the mindset. There was a certain mindset that, okay, Bish, I'm just going to turn my brain off and I'm going to enjoy the show for what it is. I didn't really tend to think about it in terms of, yeah, I'm looking for a compelling story with amazing character development. That's not what I expected. And when I kind of let my guard down in that sense, I was able to continue the show. Because mm -hmm. I wasn't going into the show yeah. expecting great character development. I was just going in the show to expect to have a laugh, maybe piss my pants a little bit. Oh, no, no, no. Like, I understand completely. Just with the first episode, they were kind of billing it as an emotional comedy at the same time, right? With, uh, centered on Ichigo. And I was just hoping... I, I liked what they did with Ichigo's character so much. I was kind of hoping that some of the side characters would get the same treatment. Fair enough. You know? For me, in terms of my notes or for the characters, the first thing that kind of popped out to me when talking about characters is character design. And this show is very unique with the way they design characters. Really? Okay. Um, wow. Okay, I'll, I'll let you I'll finish. I'll jump into it. So it's, it's unique because, for example, a lot of anime characters don't have that weird design to them. Like, for example, um, you've got characters like Momiji. You've got characters like momo sakura it's weird because the the palette they use is kind of it's like dull at the same time there's certain colors that pop out or they they know how to shade like hair really well i just there's something about it it's weird because some characters are really plain looking and then you have your characters that are more noteworthy like keta you know his family isn't well designed which makes sense because you have sakura who's very they're very plain yeah, very plain yeah. but it shows their character in their design right the fact that they're wearing like old clothes not nothing fancy and then you have like uh, sakura with her massive tits jumping around you know what i mean it's stuff like that and it makes sense because they were designed like that and the design of the characters kind of tend to reflect the personality of the character. That being said, it can be a little bit cliche at times, and I'll, I'll admit that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at you, Ranmaru. Like. Exactly. And it, even even if you look at Ranmaru, you know, dressing up as a male delinquent, that kind of Yakuza-type character of old, it's stuff like that. And to be honest with you, Kevin, I really disliked Momiji's initial character design. And the reason that was is because of the dirty pants on her head and... Oh, yeah. And the stupid cast thing on her hand. And she doesn't even need it. She takes it off in an episode. So I'm like, why the fuck do you need that? Like, she literally ruined yeah, the character. I, I think it's like a, a poverty god item. Yeah, I, it probably. But at the same time, it just it seems so stupid. The design is so stupid and I hated it. And if, she, if they had removed those two things, I would have loved her well, character design. I 
No, no, I completely disagree. If you remove what she's wearing on her head and you remove her giant syringe arm cast thing, she you basically get the Momiji you see in episode 13, right? When she just transforms back into uh into a poverty god again. She's just basically a human, you know, she she doesn't have anything visually distinctive about her. She'll just be super boring, you know? When she became a, a human character, no. that saved it for me. I was like, yes, finally, a character that design that doesn't no. suck. That's my opinion. All right, all right. Well, it's it's funny that you say that because for me, other than Momiji, right, I'm not going to say that her character design is good. I'll say that it's unique, okay? I cannot say the same thing for the other characters, and this includes Ichiko, right? They're all extremely plain. Like, honestly, I don't know, it, it seems so generic. Like, yeah, I get why Keita's luck is really plain, but everybody's luck's kind of... Uh, even, you know, uh, Ranmaru, who's over the top, like, we've seen that cliche before in other shows, right? I, I feel that it's not bad, necessarily, but... It's nothing um, noteworthy for you. It's nothing noteworthy. I, I can't really say that there's any one character in this show that has anything, you know, that's truly unique about them that hasn't been done better in other shows, right? Other, I would say, than Momiji. Again, I'm not gonna say, like, you know, be citing Momiji as, like, one of the, the greatest character designs ever, but at least it's unique, right? The whole point of her design, Bish, why she she's wearing things that you hate so much is because she's not a normal human being. That's like saying that, that that's like saying, oh, Kamagai's design is shit because he's a fucking he's weird ass fucking teddy bear. Me, that's literally that's li that's the entire point, right? He's supposed to have like this fucking derpy face and be weird because like they're not normal, right? And you see that with all of the the gods actually honestly like the, the gods are the best designed characters because they have personality to them they're fucking weird they're wacky right there's like was it the uh the other poverty god in the maid costume with her, her frog teddy bear there is the toilet god wearing the poop costume there's the 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 turtle uh river god right this fucking like crawling around everywhere mm. those designs have the most personality to me right because they're they're just so silly and Honestly, it seems like the uh, the mangaka had a great time designing and drawing those characters, and I feel that you know the that Sunrise had a great time you know recreating those characters as well. But when it comes to let's say your main character, right? She, she wears this like school was it sweater, right? This school sweater the entire time almost, right? It's so plain and normal. She, she like kind of blends in with the with the other um, characters at the school, right? Other than her. <laughs> Her physical appearance, her clothing is super a plain. A lot of stuff occurs at the school in the show, so I can understand why that is the case. I I know, but but even then, even then, you know how like you know if, if we take shonens, right? Even if you're in a school setting, right? There's always like w little ways that you can make characters stand out, right? As is the case in real Japanese schools, right? Maybe you don't wear your uniform exactly as it's supposed to. Maybe you have your shirt untucked and stuff. You know, just little things like that that can add a little bit of personality. Okay. You know, for for Sakura at least. For for Ranaru, they did do that, right? But I just think that they went to the other extreme and they went way overboard with it. They were like, what stereotypes are there for this like you know cross-dressing tough girl character who's obsessed with martial arts they just went and checked every single item on the list you know where i i just couldn't take the character seriously anymore because it felt so overdone that i couldn't see the character as anything more than a cliche honestly than a caricature but yeah speaking of cliches that that's a reason why i don't like a lot of characters in this show 
and I'm talking specifically Bobby. Hold up, hold up, hang on. Bye. What? Dude, you literally said, you literally said earlier, okay, when I was telling you that I was disappointed that the characters, the side characters weren't developed, you were like, oh, but uh, you shouldn't expect that because it's a comedy show, no, Kevin. No, that's not. What, what, why, what, why do what's you what's sound even face? Canadian when you're doing that, that voice, Kevin? You sound like someone from like, that's married to a moose. Regardless. So. Sorry, sorry. I mean, my God, Kevin, why would you expect such a thing from side characters in a Thank comedy you. show. I appreciate that. that is, a, is that, that more appropriate? That British accent. No, actually, no. I should have given you a Cockney you accent. Like, oh, I, Kevin, I took away or... your... You, I took away your gentleman well, card, like, years either ago. Either way, but, but... I think the reason why I say anyhow. that, Kevin, is just because... Okay, I get it, but... I just hate Bobby. I just... There's something about him. I just hate yeah. him. He's just so obnoxious. And the fact that he's a pervert... He, and it just... It, it, I don't know. It brings off... Uh, I watch this and I say... And I think... Do Japanese people really think this about Westerners? Do they think this about American people? Because Bobby is technically, but, he's American. Specifically, like, specifically, like, black as well. You know, it doesn't... Yeah, it's like, it, it... Are they... What are they trying to do? Like, wh is this how they see them? Is Are they using this as a joke? And I feel that he's used as a joke too much in this show. He, no, but his, his entire character is yeah, a Yeah, that's joke. what I'm saying. Like, there's, just, there's literally zero depth That's why. That's why character. I don't like him, because he just... As a character, there's nothing to him that just, there's no meat on his character. There's just nothing there. You, you, you could you could take out Bobby, and it, the show would be the same. The show, yeah, literally, the only reason he's there is to give Ichigo like the the summon shodai, whatever the the special like uh, weapon thing. The thing is, he could have got the, that weapon kind of come from another god in the show. They could have made him a god. Yeah, like, that would have been badass, but they didn't. Like if Bobby was the pervert god, right? If the, if there was such a character like that, that would have been a better way, as opposed to just this foreigner that. That's just traveling across Japan. Basically, he's like this weeaboo. That's basically what he is. He's a weeb. Exactly. No, like one of the reasons why I, I found myself so frustrated with him, honestly, is like it just reinforces all of the bad stereotypes that people have about like I, I think that, you know, if I were to show this show to a friend who doesn't watch anime, at least for Momo, I could be like, haha, you know, this is just uh the show being weird, you know, weird Japanese shows, am I right? But Bobby is such a stereotype that, you know, it, it would just make people uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, whereas Momo, his, his thing with like BDSM or whatever, like it's so ridiculous that you can just laugh at it. Right? You're just like, what the, the thing fuck? Is, even with, even with, with Momo, I do feel uncomfortable because it's like, yeah, once again, if I was to show someone who isn't really into anime and I showed them the show and I showed them scenes with Momo, they'll be like, what the fuck yeah, is okay, this? Like, enough, that's yeah. another thing. Like, there's a lot of things in this show that because they're trying to go and run for that stereotype, it kind of backfires. It's like shooting yourself in the foot. And I don't think, yeah. I think those kind of jokes were tailored to a Japanese audience. I don't know what their humor is Definitely. like. But as a Westerner, it just doesn't seem right. It makes you kind of, like, even if you're used to anime, like, even it then, it can make you uncomfortable. And, yeah, it, there you go. It makes you cringe. And honestly, I, I think that the, the way that they should have done it, maybe, all right? Uh, this is more so uh, a comment on, on the manga, because uh, as far as I'm aware, you know, like... They did have a lot of time spent on Bubby and Momo in the manga, right? So they couldn't exactly change that. But if, you know, I could kind of redo the manga slash the show, the way I would have done it is maybe fit in an, a third side character, you know, on top of Keita and Ranmaru uh, into the show, right? Develop them more. Or at least, you know, just keep two side characters, Ranmaru and Keita, and develop them even more. And then just have Bubby and Momo come in for like one or two episodes, just like the other gods, you know, like the, the, the turtle mm. god 
and the Toilet yeah. God, they they were creatures as well, but they didn't really bother me that much because they show up like for what, maybe 20 minutes in total of screen time? Mm. Right, if that, it's not that, you know, Bubby and Momo are necessarily bad characters. They were just terrible for what they were used for, right? They overstayed their welcome in the show is what I think. I agree, 100%. You know? It just feels out of place. As you mentioned, like the only reason that, you know, Bobby was in the episode was to give him, uh, to give her the, the training sword. That's the only reason. Like that could have been another character. He could have been purposed as a god, as a genie. Cause you know, yeah. he was wearing genie clothes at one point. I was like, oh cool, is this a god? Is this a blah, blah, But then the fact, it's just the fact that he's a, a foreigner just traveling Japan just seemed a bit lazy. He just seemed like, oh, we're just gonna do this because we, we have nothing better to do. That's just how I felt. Yeah. Um, that's why I would say M Momo and uh, Bobby as characters, they're my least favorite. Yeah, no, same thing. But uh, special shout out though to characters, to a character I feel is in the same category. Not quite a side character like Keita and Vanaru, but still kind of a just a, a joke character really but that is actually done well uh kuma guy okay you know like he he's fucking i don't know if you uh noticed him throughout the show but he's always like the the helpful fucking weird sidekick right that's always he's with, robin uh momiji you see he's yeah yeah no, he, he's he, he is robin basically right and he makes you laugh right but you don't notice him when, when uh, he's he not there, right? Yeah, because he doesn't jump out as, it, oh, look at me, blah, blah, blah. No, he's very subtle. He's not annoying. Like, and the fact that he yeah. doesn't speak as well, that adds something to it. It's just the fact that he looks yeah. creepy and he has everything written down on a book, it just makes sense. Yeah. I do feel that a lot of his jokes that were written down, once again, because it is targeted to a Japanese audience, because you're translating that into English, it doesn't make much sense. Yeah. So a lot of the jokes that I found that he has written in his book doesn't make much sense to me. But, yeah. I mean, that's just how it is, but unfortunately. At least in his role, though, he's not as... He doesn't feel intrusive no, no, like the other two. He, he compliments... Like, in a way, he, he's never there on his own, technically, until, like, the last episode. He's always there... Whenever he's in a scene, Momiji is also in the scene with him. He's there to compliment the comedy, and he's not, you know, just the, trying to steal the, the show, unlike the other two. So I, I feel that... You know, that's an example of a well-done comedic side character as opposed to those other two, you mm. know. But yeah, I feel that that does a pretty good overview of our side characters. I want to know, what do you think of our two main heroines, actually, right? The, the entire show is centered around them, so... This might be a hot take, but honestly, if it wasn't for okay. the final arc, I don't think I would have had any favorite characters. I don't think I would have liked Momiji or Sakura. In fact characters like Ichiko and Momiji would have been classed as least favorite characters for me just because they started off as unlikable especially Sakura because if you guys know this or you don't know this I don't like characters who come off thinking as if they are the dog's bollocks it's one of the reasons why I didn't like Senna in season one of Haganai the fact that she wasn't able or willing you know to share her good luck energy made her ugly on the inside I know despite her like sexy appearance she just seemed ugly she seemed rotten and disgusting human being like i rooted for her to, to basically i don't know it's just i hated her there was a genuine hate and i really don't like hate characters in anime that much but her at the beginning ah disgusting character but throughout the show i i think that's a sign 
that the show did its job though, no? True. Because you're not supposed to like Ishiko at the beginning. You're not supposed to be like, oh my god, she seems like such a good person. I would love to be friends with her. No, you'd be like, she's a spoiled brat. She's a terrible person, right? What the hell? And then you're supposed to slowly understand why she she's the way she is, right? Because of her past and how she's slowly improving, right? So if anything- I mean, her that improvement the, throughout uh, the show was incredibly slow and it was just like, it was, Up until it 11, was, I was like, like, fuck this. Fuck Ichiko. But I mean, throughout the show, we see her slowly get out of her shell. We learn why she's a bitch. I don't understand the reasoning behind it. I get it. Oh, there's this guy she liked in like kindergarten and her friend betrayed her. But to keep a grudge from kindergarten up until, you know, to the point where you're an 18 year old or 16 year old or whatever. But you have to, you have to understand though, at the same time, I'm, I'm no child psychologist, right? But like, I don't, I don't feel that my childhood had as much... I don't know, like, friendship drama in it. Maybe it's different for mm. girls, but, like, I don't know, just, just being betrayed like that when you're a kid, it can't, like, I can see why it would kind of fuck you up later, right? And kind of, like, skew your view of relationships. And it's not just that, though. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was basically just Suono with her entire life because her... I don't know, her parents died or they abandoned her or like, I don't know, they're just not there, right? She had no family, she had no siblings. It was just her. Honestly, I can see why she is the way she is. I'm not excusing her behavior, but for me at least, I can understand why she's so, you know, unpleasant in the beginning. I completely understand, and I've written it down in my notes, I understand why she's a bitch, and why she kind of, she, you know, her being betrayed by a best friend is very difficult to handle, so she kind of distances herself from others to protect herself, I get that, and so she doesn't get hurt again, that's why she finds it very difficult to, you know, accept Ranmaru as a friend, and stuff like that, or even when, you know, the butler was asking, oh, I'm so happy you got a friend, when he's referring to Momiji, there's stuff like that, but at the same time, Kevin, the reason behind it, it felt very tacked on, it felt very lazy, but at the same time, I just want to flip it a little bit. I kind of relate to her because of that. Because I was the same when I was a child. Obviously not for the same reasons. I've gone through quite a lot. You are a rich Japanese girl who would grow up to have a huge rack. Yeah, well, I, I still do have school. a huge rack and I, I feel that I am hated by everyone. <laughs> TMI, TMI. So, Let's edit that uh, shit out. Oh my you know, god, no, my ears. I'm sorry, Kevin. But regardless, the thing is, right, I, I understand because I used to do that. I used to do it with myself. You know, I had friends. Not necessarily, it wasn't being betrayed by friends. It was more so... You know, my dad dying and he was like my only friend. So I felt that I have to distance myself so I don't lose friends that I gain, if that makes sense. So I kind of understand that, that whole putting yourself around the bubble to protect yourself, not interacting with people, being a hikikomori, because technically she is this odd type of hikikomori. She doesn't really interact with others. Yeah, she, she, she goes to school and stuff, but like other than that, she just goes straight home and does Exactly. Whatever. So she goes straight home. She does what she needs to do, but she doesn't interact at school. She doesn't have any uh, after school classes. She doesn't cook either. She doesn't... Anything, exactly. Yeah. So she kind of relies on others, you know, whether it's um, it's kind of like Senna, you know, when in Haganai, when when all the boys came up to Senna, like, oh, Senna, you're so cool in this and let me do your homework and let me do this and let me do that. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of attitude that she has. And oddly enough, I kind of relate to that as, you know, this odd hikikomori type thing. And when we see characters like Momiji being saved by Sakura for the sake of friendship and not losing her, I was amazed at how much she's grown as a character and the same character who, who wouldn't help anyone if it wasn't for her own benefit to herself went out of her way to do something truly selfless. Now, my question for you is because, because you know, you're so frustrated up until the, the, the last arc and I'm assuming that, you know, you didn't 
love, but you didn't hate the, the middle episodes either. Did you feel surprised by this character growth? Do you feel that it was a sudden jump out of nowhere? Did, or did you see that development slowly build? Throughout I will the be honest with you. I see it slowly build. It was a slow okay. burn. Don't get me wrong. But as soon as I watched this anime, I felt that that redemption arc was predictable because you can't have a character. Yeah. The main protagonist can't be a hated character in a comedy show. Otherwise, it's just not going to last. So in my mind, I'm, I was waiting for the redemption. I was thinking, when is she going to do something? And I thought maybe for the Ranmaru, we would get a true redemption for her. But it wasn't. It was like, eh, okay, it was something. And it adds to the whole adding to her kindness as a character and stuff. But we didn't really fully get it until episode the end of episode 11, episode 12, 13, etc. Did you feel that it was, I'm not going to say shocked because, you know, it was headed in that direction, right? You, you knew that there was going to be a redemption. But my question was more so, like, did you, did you feel that it was cheap? Was it no. like, oh, Sakura bad? And then all of a sudden she flip-flops and becomes good? Or do you think that it was... By any means, it didn't, it didn't feel okay. cheap to me. I just felt very happy. I think if I was looking at this outside of this as you know as as bad as it seems if i was to watch this maybe two years time and i look at the show and i'm like hey this was pretty cheap i i could feel myself saying that but at the time of watching i was just so fucking fed up with sakura as a character that when she became good i was so happy and i didn't care about it being cheap or anything like that because yes it is inherently cheap the fact that there is a just a an on and off switch that turned on and the fact that we didn't see much of this we only had like two episodes of cool sakura or you know the the good sakura yeah really? i mean yes there was the build-up you can see really? it happen kevin but at the same time i was just so fed up with her character that when she was um, good i was like hey i'm i'm on board man okay it's a very slow burn but i, I do think that it, it, they do a good job at you know making her progress bit by bit you know like there are a lot of times where like she helps someone and she's kind of like a sundere and she's like oh i'm like making a mistake i'm not doing this for you i'm just doing this for my own sake or whatever to benefit myself right but it's because she doesn't want to admit that she's changing no i i felt that okay you, you might feel that there's a bit of a jump just because like she denies it the entire time and she doesn't really come to terms with it until like the literally the last episode right because she still uses that oh i'm only doing this for my self benefit until uh she talks to Keita in the last episode but i don't know I, I do feel that it's a slow burn but you do get to see her genuinely grow you know i and I, I never felt that it was there's was an, an on off switch I'm, I'm not disagreeing that by any means kevin i just felt that it was too slow especially for a 12 episode anime like if this anime was going on for 24 episodes i i don't think okay, that yeah, would last I can, I can see that i can take your point for that yeah definitely it is too slow for such a short 13 episode anime and like because it's so slow you're feeling that the, the change is happening so slowly that her character is practically the mm -hmm. same which for all intents and purposes it almost is for most of the, the show so i have a feeling that you know a lot of people like you said who are in your situation would have dropped the show by episode you know like three four maybe you know if you get really far five six because they just don't like ichiko right you really have to get all the way to the end honestly to to get the the best part of the show in my opinion completely agree is there any other i, I really want to know your opinions on characters like sakura and um momiji i mean i think i think i've really said that all there is really uh to say on on ichiko or sakura I, I never really disliked her at the beginning just again i have my own bias here but i could definitely see that you know she's not supposed to be a character that you like right i do think that yes the development that they had again was slow but for me because i didn't dislike the character at the beginning to begin with anyways and 
And because there are, you know, these golden slapstick moments thrown out here and there throughout the middle episodes that I didn't mind continuing to watch, right? I, I was there for the ride. I really enjoyed it. But I can definitely see why a lot of people would just give up because it's so dependent, in my opinion, on Ichigo, whether or not you like Ichigo. It's like a deal breaker, right? Because if you don't like the main character in any show, you're not going to slog through nine episodes, right, to do it. All right, so uh, the next thing I want to get into for Good Luck Girl is really the audiovisual aspect of it, you know, because, you know, as with any comedy show, I feel, the life or death of it really lies in its aesthetics, right? Whether that's through the voice actors, through the animation and stuff, that's really the lifeblood of a good comedy show. So I really wanted to know uh, what your impressions were, first off, for the art style, right? Just, just in general. Oddly enough, when we start our episodes of the podcast, we compare notes and this area, this section, which has never really happened before, has the most art style and animation. So to be honest with you, the first thing that punched out to me was the colors. They're very varied, but and kind of vibrant at points. Uh, despite this, you know, the characters themselves look a bit flat uh, without much depth in terms of uh, shading and shadows. Uh, and it kind of contributed to why I felt this anime is similar to Gintama. I didn't know that this was done by the same team. I knew it was done by the same studio as Gintama, obviously Studio Sunrise, but I didn't know that this was done by the same team that brought Bleach and Gintama. So it kind of makes sense. And it kind of seemed a bit uh, deliberate for me as opposed to sheer laziness because the sceneries don't have the issue as the character's flatness. So if you yeah. look at the sceneries closely, they're very detailed, very colorful, and it kind of feels like they've done it to give that apparent lazy feel that like Gintama has, like a more laid back look with the characters. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it because if you look at like, there was a moment when watching the first three episodes that, that popped in my head, look at the floorboards in Sakura's house, in her apartment. They're incredibly detailed and I don't understand why that is. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of World God Only Knows because that anime also had the same level of detail at the same time. Also, another thing that I wanted to mention was the fact that the anime switches similar to God Only Knows it switches between multiple art styles so it will have a chibi art yeah, style yeah. when we have the poverty god item segment oh th those are so good yeah they're fantastic and I understand I, I would imagine that they would have been taken straight out of a particular manga panel it just kind of gives me that vibe on it but the fact that it changes its art style so much because there's a lot of references so many as well. references there's, yeah there's references to Jojo's Doraemon Sailor Moon Prince Mononoke, Dragon, Dragon Ball, Ball, Gintama, Death Note. Death Note. There's so many shows. Honestly, I, I find that this is perhaps the greatest strength and also kind of the, the greatest weakness in a way because there, when you have as many references as you do in this show, right? References are what, oh, it's such a key thing in the laugh out loud slapstick moments, right? Because you're instantly able to tell what they're parodying, not just because, you know, like the clothing or whatever, but the distinctive art style in it, right? I think I even noted in over here, what fucking killed me in episode seven, all right? When they introduced Ranmaru. Right, and you know when Ranmaru is walking down the class looking for for Sakura, right? And she's like, "Oh fuck, I gotta, I gotta cover myself, I gotta hide." And she transforms into this like JoJo art style, right? And then Momiji sees that, and she's like, "Oh fuck, I gotta do it too." And then suddenly everyone starts like transforming to this completely different fucking ultra detailed art style. It's those sort of moments, right, where they're able to to switch art styles just like that at the tip of a hat that makes this show so funny, that makes slapstick so effective. At the same time, I don't know if you'll agree with me here, but I find that it's kind of a shame 
that the normal art of the show is worse than like the slapstick animation art and stuff. I completely agree with you, but as I mentioned before, I understand why that's the case. It doesn't seem to be because they're lazy or anything, because they can show that they can do great work, especially in the scenery and in the, the parody art styles. But yeah, I kind of get it. But another reason why I was disappointed about all the references was because you need to know the references. You need to watch all these anime to get it. Like there's a lot of references here that I didn't necessarily understand. But at the same time, if you're not an otaku, if you're not a weeb, yeah. you're not going to get it. And that kind of may hurt the show a little bit. I mean, yes, but I mean, what, what do you want? That's just an inherent risk that you're taking when you're doing a comedy show, right? With so many references, it you can't attain those highs if you don't take that risk, you know? Like, I get it. Like, if you're doing references to Naruto or One Piece or Dragon Ball, like, that shows that I've, I've not seen One Piece, but I can recognize One Piece, right? But when you're doing references to shows like Prince of Tennis or like um, but, okay, Samurai you not know? How did you not know about Prince of Tennis, though? Come on. Like I that, didn't know that, about that. That, that is tennis. such that is such an old show. That's such an old show. I'm 20. Okay, that's hang on. It's not in the 90s, but I think let me just search this up real quick. Be right back. So this was from 99. Okay, so I was a bit off. I thought it was like early 90s, but still, the manga ran from 99 to 08. All right, like that is older. Actually, yeah, it started on July 19th. Right. So that is uh, that is older than me, okay? And I still know about that. I didn't that. get it, Kevin. Look, that's look. I don't know don't how me. you don't know about it. It is it is like the OG sports manga slash look, anime. Look, I didn't get it, but at the same time, it's like Samurai <laughs> Pizza Cats. Really? Like you're really gonna give like some some of them were just too obscure for me. And I understand, Kevin. Okay, Prince of Tennis is a very popular anime, but at the same time, I have to think about the people watching this show for the first time, especially newcomers to anime, and they're watching this and like, what the fuck? You have to think about it though. You're, we're viewing this from a Western perspective, right? I think that, again, we've already stated that a lot of the jokes, they're tailored for a Japanese audience, right? I think that if you were the mangaka, right? When he created the, the manga, he wasn't like, oh, what are people gonna think in America or in Canada, right? He's tailoring this for a Japanese audience. And I think that if you're a Japanese person, right? Like, even if you're not necessarily super into all of these references or all these shows that are referenced in uh, the jokes, right? Just because you're Japanese and you're in Japan, they have so much more exposure to these famous shows, right? I don't feel that they're, you know, referencing really obscure series by any means, right? Those are all things that are would easily be recognizable for, you know, an otaku in Japan. I feel like, for me anyways, like, I didn't watch JoJo yet, it's on my list, but I didn't even watch Prince of Tennis either, but like, even then, I had enough of an idea about what those shows are about to get some sort of appreciation about it. I don't know if you have any comments on the art style, because there's also a lot of stuff that I have written for the animation, but... Uh, that's basically all I have in the art style, really, like, it's, you know, we've already covered character design, but when design aside, I, I see why, you know, they decided to go for a plain sort of design for the characters. But then again, when it comes to the, like the quality, the amount of detail in the characters themselves, even if you choose a plain design, I feel that you could get into the nitty gritty details of the characters. But like, it's funny that you mentioned, I think you, you, it was you that said the hair was well done, right? I found that it was really, eh, you know, just kind of like monocolor, not too much variation. Even the lighting, I don't think there are many instances where- I think really... the lighting was superb, but you know. That's well, it's agree opinion. to disagree. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, for me, it's just because the, the hair was shiny. I just personally like shiny hair. It's not a I mean, fetish or anything. I'm just, 
I just like shiny here in anime. That's kind of like the minimum that you need to have though, right? Other, otherwise it'd just be like super monotone. But, and but like... it works It works well with the monotone design and the flat colors. That's just why it just it you, pops out to me. You see, I noticed that. When, when you say monotone design, I think we have different expectations. When you say a monotone design, I'm I'm thinking of like Studio Ghibli super, not, not monotone or flat in the bad way, but you know, it, it's very like, it's almost like a pastel or like a watercolor, right? Very light, smooth colors, like Ghibli films or Nichiru would be a perfect example of that. Here, it's kind of like they're, they've got, you know, one foot in the door, but they're not like fully committed to it. The details aren't quite there, but they're like, they're, they're scared to add more because like, you know, they'll be straying away from the, the original manga's art or something. Like, I don't know, it, it feels kind of half-assed in a certain to be sense. honest to be honest with you kevin that can be perceived that way i think the reason why they've done this is so that they can easily transition into the uh, parody designs a lot okay. easier that's just okay. my personal opinion that would make sense actually i hadn't thought of that yeah uh, in terms of the animation now for me this is where you can see that this is a great animation studio studio sunrise they've done shows like love live they've done shows like gundam they're really really talented they've even done tiger and bunny so you can kind of see this the animation sequences are very smooth seamless there was no dropped or missing frames from what i can tell and you can tell this a lot with the fight sequences because yes. the fighting is well detailed superb and it's like i don't know it kind of i get like the dragon ball z like lighting effects and ground shake and stuff like that you see that in there and that kind of animation helps to build suspense and create tension especially within the fight scenes and that's what you need and that's an example of great animation work and i feel that within anime it kind of feels like it's it's especially on this podcast we don't really talk about animation a lot and i have to say i genuinely love the animation in this show you know, for example, some fight scenes happen in open air and they're very fast paced and it's very reminiscent of other shonen shows. You know, when you, if you're talking about like Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, uh, One Piece, stuff like that, even Gintama, right? So there is a lot of stuff, a lot of sort of anime pedigree that is taken from, you know, Studio Sunrise and all the other past amazing works that they've done in terms of shonen anime and action shows that they're bringing into the show that I feel that not many people would notice. Honestly, overall in the animation, I, I'd say the same thing thing about really that my, my points about the art style come back here it's for the the usual stuff the the characters in their day-to-day -day lives nothing noteworthy but when it comes to the fight scenes the seamless transitions to you know the little poverty god item introductions the parodies of other shows imitating their their fight scenes their art styles and it's a very versatile show and i think they were very lucky to have sunrise on this because they, sh they show that, you know, hey, we've worked on, you know, Shonen like Bleach, we've worked on other comedies like Gintama. They have a very talented uh, ensemble of, uh, of animators there, and it's really clear in those slapstick scenes. That's really all I have to say in regards to the um, animation and the art style. The audio for me wasn't really something to call home about. It was no. very generic. It wasn't I've literally really memorable nothing for the OST. or anything like that. It, it's just, look, there's some things about it that I do say were quite highlights. Like, for example, scenarios and situations where the characters get themselves into romantic moments or sincere moments or silly moments like the tennis showdown. The music was, eh, it was good. It wasn't amazing, but it wasn't something... But you're forgetting one crucial detail, though. What? The O2 fan service. You can't say that's not a good piece of art right that that, that was a masterpiece right 100 like. i like that <laughs> but i mean in terms of the audio the audio wasn't the best no uh, it wasn't it wasn't like it, it was you know, it was out of time or yeah i, I don't it, feel it was bad but it, just, eh. it was mediocre yeah. like the show like it, it, it oh to be wow with you, 
Damn. Oh, okay. did I say too much? Oh, <laughs> no, but it's true. It's, it wasn't anything noteworthy. That's that's really all I have to say about okay. that. Okay, but you know, I agree with you on the the soundtrack. Nothing noteworthy, but for me, I'll, I'll start with the ending, I guess, because I'll be honest, the opening, it's okay. It wasn't great. I never really what? took note of it. The opening. What? But the, the the ending, I have, n I literally, in the amount of times that I've watched the show, I have never skipped the ending because it is just so good. The ending is like the last arc of the show. It combines good animation. Really? A nice bit of fan service, some really catchy tune. Like, for me, I loved the ending, honestly. And now I'm assuming you're gonna be like, oh, the ending's shit, the opening's the best. Exactly. I'm glad you know. Oh my I don't have to God. say anything else about it, but I prefer the opening. The opening gets me really? hyped for the show. Yeah, man. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. The opening gets me hyped. I actually listened to the opening on a regular. The ending, for me, wasn't that hyped. I get what you're saying about the, the animation sequence. Yeah, great, but the music was a bit lacking. What? Really? Yeah. I'm sorry, Kevin. I found it to be, you know, very lighthearted, funny, and also a bit like cockatish in a way. I don't know if music can be cockatish, but like it, it gives that vibe, you know? It, it's, I don't know, I, I felt that it was a really nice end to every episode. I was looking forward to the end because that, that ending was so good. The opening, honestly, I, I might have listened to it in its entirety once, just to write notes. And then after that, I just skipped it. All right. Well, I mean, let's uh, agree to disagree, eh? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. E? 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 Do you have... I think we kind of mentioned gripes and grumbles. Come on, and we're, we're not quite done yet. Because, oh, okay. yes, we've covered we've covered the soundtrack. We've covered the opening ending. But another thing, I, I think it would be an injustice, all right, to end this episode without mentioning the voice acting. Specifically for me, I found that Ichigo's... Uh, not Ichigo. Ichiko's VA... Ichigo really, is a bleach, right? Yeah. <laughs> really did. Honestly, she she knocked it out of the park because she, you know, it, it's always tricky to balance drama and comedy. A lot of shows try it. It's really a hit or miss a lot of the time, I feel. And a part of that is, you know, how flexible your voice actors are, right? And I feel that the voice actress for Ichiko does, a, she embodies her spirit. I and mean, we really get the sense of, you know, her really cocky, arrogant attitude. You know, she's really like confident about herself. But at the same time, she's able to really adapt to the more emotional slash moody moments in the show, right? Where she's forced to confront, you know, that, hey, I, I'm alone and I, I do need the help of these other people around me, right? She, she really captures all sorts of emotional and funny moments. And I, I think that without uh, a voice cast like that, you know, the show wouldn't be the same. You know, just imagine, again, going, I, I mentioned for the upteenth time, Nichijou here, but like, that is a perfect illustration just for how crucial it is to have good voice actors in a comedy show. And I feel that in, uh, in the case of the main character, at least, it was very well done. Okay, I mean, ah. I, I have I don't have much to say about the um, the voice acting in the show. Okay, well, fair enough, fair enough. Ironically, though, because I've I've been watching a lot of the um, the dub because I've seen it subbed and dub. I oh boy, of... okay. If you want to talk about it, yeah, go ahead. Forgive me for saying this, but I kind of prefer the dub. Honestly, like maybe maybe it's an acquired taste, but I tried to listen to episode like one in the dub, right? Like what I did actually was I was like, I was really curious uh, when watching, rewatching it for the, for this episode, for this recording of really doing a play by play comparison. 
too, because for those of you who don't know, uh, most of the time we cover exclusively the sub versions of a show, right? Um, unless, I can't remember the last time we covered the dub version. Um, I think uh, it was Black Lagoon. Yes, there we go. Black Lagoon, where you, like, you, it would be a sin to not cover the, the dub, right? Usually we stick with the subs and, you know, if the dub is like, you know, decent or really, we really want to make a comparison, we usually watch the entire show and sub and then watch a few moments in dub to see how good the dub is, right? But in this case, I really wanted to get a direct comparison between the the two versions and so i watched a scene in the original japanese and then i went back and uh through funimation and watched it in that same scene in english and i find that the voice actors in the japanese version they, they just they're able on a i guess scream a bit more they're they're able to do that over the top you know surprise shocked voice mm, a lot better like I completely understand where you're coming from, but the reason why I prefer the English dub, and I, I'm sorry to cut in, is because of the male characters, not so much of the female characters. I prefer the okay. male characters in, in the English dub. You know, you've got amazing voice actors from Funimation, such as Clifford Ch Chapin or Patrick Seitz. And these are people that have voiced like characters like Bakugo in, in MHA or um, Endeavor. And you get like a very powerful voice from it. You even have the voice actor for um, Haru in Free, place, uh, voices mm. Momo. So it's like stuff like that. The voices are, are a lot better in English for the male characters as opposed to the female characters. I feel that, yes, the, the Japanese voice actor for characters like Ramaru and Ichigo and Momiji in general, they have a, an excellent voice range and they can switch between all the different pitches and emotions quite quickly because the show really depends on that and it strengthens the yeah. show quite a lot. But I just don't know. I just feel that the English is hitting me a lot more, if that makes sense. It might be because of, as I mentioned, I haven't been watching many subbed anime during quarantine because I don't want to forget how to speak English so that might be why and there might be a little bit of a bias there because I didn't mention it in my note but mm -hmm. upon the rewatch that's just how I feel Kevin maybe if I watched it again a couple months time I'll be like bish what the fuck were you trying to say like, <laughs> do you know I might regret saying that I think that wraps it up quite nicely and uh, I think it'd be really nice to, to close it off with uh, you know the usual second season slash would you recommend it here because especially Especially if you blinked, then you might have missed it. But for those of you who watched episode 13 all the way until at the very end, they did this fourth wall breaking joke of a of a preview for a future season. That's interesting, Kevin, because I have a lot to say about this and I really want to go first. So right, I go for it. Looking at that, you know, initially I didn't want to see a second season. I felt the show was wrapped up. I was like, you know what? This is done. No problem. But that little teaser at the end, I know it's fake, I know it was a joke, but I don't know, like, I really do want to see a second season. The anime is it's kind of self-contained, but that little teaser felt like they wanted to do a second season. I don't know why. I think I know why. Because, honestly, we both agree it. And I, I think it's, I'd go as far as to say that it's an objective fact that the last arc is the best part of the show, right? Mm. And just have the show end so strong to tease that alternate Momiji, right? And the, you know, just the, the great moments that were in that last arc and have that towards the end of the show, it just leaves you wanting more because it, it teases you, right? You see exactly. all of this great comedy, all this wrapped up super nice, and you're like, oh my god, if they could have this caliber of, of arc for like in the entire second season, it'd be amazing, right? Exactly. I kind of felt like they wanted to do something like that. 
and obviously I don't know if it's because of source material that they couldn't do it or because obviously a lot of I found that a lot of uh, Sunrise shows don't go past first season they don't go on to second season you know we've seen this in the case of Excel World in the case of Tiger and Bunny by the way Tiger and Bunny's getting a second season I, really? I don't know how, yeah that I, I just want to go a little bit off topic here Tiger and Bunny is getting a second season I saw it on Twitter the other day officially Studio Sunrise announced officially kevin it's been 84 years oh my it's, god it's been 84 years anyway back onto the point so i find that looking at that end you know of the anime wanting more and then seeing that teaser makes me feel like hell yeah i want to see a yeah. second season because if they did make a second season of the show it they showed stuff that was basically within that teaser fuck yeah man that would have been amazing i i see what you mean and i i do want like okay I gotta word myself. I mean, I know it's not gonna here. happen. Hundred percent. Yeah, we both know it's not gonna happen. It's it's a done deal. It's an eight year old show, and the manga is done anyways, right? I think they covered the, the entire run. Although mm-hmm. Tiger and Bunny, after how many years, Tiger and Bunny's getting a second season? Don't don't do that. Don't give me hope. There's hope. There's hope. <laughs> there is but hope, Kevin. As much as I enjoyed this show, right? As much as I love it, they just. The, that last arc is so good. They wrapped up all the loose ends. The, the character arc was, you know, finished. It was such a nice knot. It'd be a shame to undo that knot, you know, just to throw other stuff in that doesn't feel natural, right? I, I think that what I want is not necessarily a second season because that wouldn't make sense from a plot standpoint. What I really want is more so more of this caliber of comedy and more of the same characters. So, I mean, I, I guess if I could have what I want, right, it would be more like maybe a, a spin-off where it's like, I don't know, Momiji's, you know, shenanigans before coming down to Earth. Or, you know, like, oh, okay. maybe a prequel or something, right? Where you get to see the same sort of style, some sort of, like, silliness and wackiness with, uh, you know, all those references, that same style of comedy, but before, you know, just because anything afterwards would not make sense at all for, for the character development, to be honest. Hmm. Or maybe just an OVA, you know? It's not going to happen either, but just an OVA would be friggin' amazing. I kind of feel where you're coming from in terms of a prequel because there's a lot you can do with Mommy G. There's a lot you can do with these side characters. Like, we've had the gods. We haven't seen them interact that much. I want to see, you know, what's what's the story behind Turtle Guy or how they interact with <laughs> You know, yeah. and I know it sounds really stupid, but even Mommy G's boss, there's a lot of mystery behind her. We haven't really spoken about her, but I want to know what's her importance to the whole story. And I feel that if there was a, a prequel show around 12 episodes as well, we could find a lot about it and it could explain a lot of what's going on in the show whether or not mm-hmm. it's it's more likely to happen yeah but no, still it would be nice happen, to see we, we can dream you know we can, dreams can become memes i guess yeah <laughs> That's just my opinion. In terms of recommending the show, I think you might have a different opinion, but I'll, I'll say mine first. Mm-hmm. I would, personally, I would recommend the show to seasonal anime veterans. And the reason why I say that is... Seasonal of, anime veterans, okay. Yeah, so I mean like people that are seasoned anime veterans, like people that are watching Covered anime... Sauce. Oh, okay, Co- right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Ha 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 Funny uh, joke. Anyway, but- <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of insane references to other jokes, tropes, and I feel that people that are new to anime may not get it. Oh, no, not at all. And people that are like new to anime in general, when they see characters like Bobby or when they see characters like Momo, it's something, It's it comes on a bit too strong. So it, it would scare, this shit would scare you away, honestly, from sure. You'd be like, what the fuck is this weird shit? You know, it, like, it, exactly. It's not for everyone. That, that, that's like, that's like introducing someone to anime 
worth penny and stocking. You would you would never do that. You know? Exactly. So I, I feel that you would need to watch a couple of anime before maybe watch ten various animes and then come back to watch this and then you'll appreciate a lot of the jokes, a lot of the archetypes, a lot of the humor in this anime. And I think if it wasn't for this, I would kind of be recommending the show for for those who are new because it's got a lot of potential. It's got the building blocks to be an amazing show. Initially, I told you that I didn't really want to watch this show uh, and I felt that I was going to drop it. But because of its final arc, I feel like I didn't waste my time. I felt mm. like watching the show, I was very eager to kind of rewatch it and kind of binge it because of the final arc. I know it sounds really stupid, but bear in mind, we watched the show multiple times. At least <laughs> I watched the show multiple times on Kunai, but there is something about it. It's it's worthwhile because of those last three episodes. So if you're someone that has seen a lot of anime, watch this anime specifically for its ending. That's just it. Where I will disagree with you a little bit, Okay. Right. Is you say that you know if it weren't for the references and stuff that you wouldn't get and like the the was it you know Bobby being a pervert and stuff I don't I don't know whether it would be a good fit for casual viewers even without that just because again you know for me I didn't mind it because I was a fan of of Ichiko right but like you you clearly didn't like her and I think a lot of people would be kind of like you know would shy away from the show just because like she's a very divisive character right you're not mm. supposed to like her. And the middle episodes, they're, they have great comedic moments, but it's a lot of the same, you know? There's not, the, the progression again, as we said, stated earlier, is very slow, right? So if you're a casual viewer, you probably aren't interested in toughing it out for nine episodes of more of the same with a character that you don't necessarily like, surrounded by a cast of characters that are, for the most part, very flat and two-dimensional, you know, like Momiji, Sorry, not, not Momiji, but like Bubby and Momo. But I, I do agree that, yeah, it's more so a sh it's, it's a very meta show. It's very self-aware. It literally breaks the fourth wall multiple times throughout uh, its 13-episode run. It's very self-aware, and you have to be one of us <laughs> to, to understand the, the references and stuff. Right? Even you didn't get all of the, the references, and I didn't either, right? So it, it's very much a meta show for people who I wouldn't say seasonal viewers who watch lots of shows but just you know as long as you have a good grasp of you know the really big shows like One Piece, Dragon Ball, Naruto and stuff and just I guess the classics the big names in that case you know it's definitely a recommend but other than that I, I can't say that it's it's a show that uh some casual viewer would enjoy or that I'd introduce to someone who who's just started not long ago you know it's a very niche audience i feel i completely agree i think that's a great place to end this episode of the podcast remember if you really want to suggest an anime for us to watch you can do that on our twitter page at get alive podcast additionally we also have a discord page which you guys can check out and our discord there will be a link in the description but if you go to getlifepodcast.com forward slash discord and you can get in we have uh, discussion channels for anime for gaming we also have a not safe for work channel if you're into that as well we've got everything in addition to that I just wanted to announce the next episode. I'm not going to actually say what the episode is, but there will be a surprise for our next episode. I can't say what it is now, but I'm sure you guys are going to look, you, you're going to like it. You're going to look forward to it. That's it. With that being said, big thanks to our sponsors, Crunchyroll, Japan Crate, and J-List. Bye, guys. See ya.